Could we actually see a foldable iPhone in the future? GeForce Now gives Mac gaming a boost. Apple updates Apple Maps, but there's still plenty of room for improvement. All this and more on this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Life Johnson. Hey. And Michael Simon. Hello. So let's start with the news. Uh, some news that happened yesterday. The Apple News Service, the business chief uh, of that particular service, has left the building. Shocking. I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to stay there. <laughs> she used to work for Condé Nast. Yeah. Uh, Liz Scheimel, uh worked at Condé Nast as the international business uh, president. And she, she came over to, to be the kind of, I guess, publisher, so to speak, in, in traditional publishing terms. That she had a different title, but she was basically in charge of the business of Apple News, I Worked guess. with advertisers and news publishers. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the, the biggest problem I had when they talked about all of that, and I, I'm sorry, I, I called her a he a moment ago. But, um, you know, I worked in print media for a long time, not, not Condé Nest's magazines or any of those, but I, did, I worked in print, print media for a while, and there is a, an inherent and troubling different view of most publications from online and print. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. never the twain shall meet. You know, the, there's a couple of outlets that are doing a good job. The Washington Post has subscribers, the New York Times, right. but for the most part, print rules. And they have a, you know, these, these, a lot of these newspapers that are successful in both arenas, the Wall Street Journal is another one, they have a very healthy and vibrant print audience. Mm -hmm. And Apple News is starting from scratch, and you cannot, it, the, the print model just isn't going to work. It's not. Yeah. It has to do something the, new. The business models are not compatible. It's not. And PDFs don't work. None of that works. You got to, you, you, th th there has to be an innovation there. And no yeah. offense to this person from Condé Nast, but she didn't bring any, and Apple hasn't brought any, and something really needs to change at a molecular level for Apple News or any, really any right. news service to be successful on a paid level. Yeah, as the old man in the room, I worked at Macworld when they had a print mm -hmm. publication. I worked at Ziff Davis uh, when there was the whole transition from print to internet. And yeah, it's, it's chaos. Yes. It's chaos. You, and you have to come up with different, a brand new business model. Uh, yeah. it, you have to approach it differently because uh, the businesses are just different and there's yeah. just, just different yeah, Even work. though the content may be the same, the yeah. consumption of that content is wildly different. Right. And, as someone who came from print, there was a lot of money thrown around in print. Oh, no doubt. And um, I, I, I just missed it, but I heard about it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there were days when I remember the days. I remember the days back in the day when Macworld and uh, the magazine I also worked at, Mac User, was like 300 pages yeah. for a magazine. And, you know, 60% of that was ads. Mm -hmm. And they were expensive ads. And you know who knows how effective they were. I don't don't know. I, I don't work that side of the uh, aisle, but they made a lot of money during print. And then all of a sudden, the internet came, and the dynamic 
the numbers were different. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't all of a sudden. It was a right, long right. and slow thing that publish, print publishers completely ignored. Yeah. Yes, they, yeah. They, yeah, they, they, they put their head in the sand away. and they said, we'll be fine. Yeah. And they thought, that, yeah, they thought that they could approach it in a similar ma- way, but no, it, it take, took a whole new way of thinking. And it, it actually kind of took a somewhat of a generational turnover of sales to figure that out. I mean, I don't know if they have figured it out yet, to be honest. Some, some, yeah. some have. One thing I'm going to say about Apple News is that they even seem to be going for like a magazine approach with the visuals. You know, when you open it up, you know, I only see like two or three things and then I have to start scrolling through stuff like this. Maybe it's because I'm a journalist. I want to look through headlines and stuff. I want, but I think this is true as a, as a end user, because I'm trying to find what I, what I'm looking for. And the fact that I have to just keep scrolling and keep scrolling to find something is, is really annoying. And that ruins the experience of Apple, uh, Apple News for me. I think I do think Google does that better. You look it up on Google News, mainly on the desktop, and you'll see you have a feature, but then you have a bunch of just links for more, you know, more important headlines. It allows yeah. you to go ahead. I can, I can I can absorb, I don't know, forty Google News clusters, which are you know big stories in like a minute. Yes, yeah. and that's what you need to do. That that that's how you know people on online. Even if like let's say a, a, a Mac World reader comes to our site. They're not going to spend more than forty-five seconds there, unless there's a particularly engaging article that they're that they're reading, or they leave in an open tab or something. But for the most part, because I do it too on The Verge and, and our site and PC World and you know articles that I'm not necessarily interested in, I like something that let's say Gordon writes an article that oh that that's interesting, you know I like Gordon, I like his stuff, but I skim through it in like thirty seconds. That's just how I absorb that stuff, and you know. With a magazine, it's a time investment. You sit down, you pick it up, you flip through the pages, you look at the pictures, you read the captions. That is not the case online with any of these news services. And, you know, Apple News isn't the New York Times, and they needed to come out of the box with something completely different than what Apple News Plus is. That's why no one's subscribing to it, because nobody cares. You know, now that I think about it, the, what I was saying about the people, the headlines, you know, looking at stuff quickly, that's one of the reasons why Twitter is so popular for yeah, news. Course, you just go course. through your feed and you no see doubt. these little short things. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. In like 20 seconds, I can go and do like 200 s- tweets and get a, a sense of what's going on right now. Exactly. And Apple News Plus. Yeah, that would be that's that's a that's a good model to look at Twitter. I mean, there's there's so many ways to do it. And news is so pervasive right now. And, you know, I think Apple News is, is blowing a big opportunity. I mean, they have a built-in, how many billion and a half uh, active devices, they say? Mm-hmm. That's a big audience that they're not really t- taking advantage of. The other issue is that Apple doesn't create any content. Right. And I was thinking that was the problem with your New York Times. Yeah. And stuff. So yeah, to, yeah. to go that's to a, somebody, you know, you can see the New York Times going, what, you mean you want to profit off the content I make? Mm-hmm. Why? Why should I do that when I'm doing that directly? Yeah, that's a, that's you know, a good wh- point. So it's it's hard to convince the major uh, publishers to to dive into that. You know, to dive into Apple News when they can go directly. And see, that, that's the other thing is, as a journalist, and you know, 
you know, I will say, I don't know if it's wrong to say this. Yes, like our, our we wish that, you know, we didn't have to put so many ads on our site. But uh, the thing is, is that when you go to Apple and it's all clean like that, it's like Apple is getting all the benefit. What do we get out of that? It, it's like, how, how do you sustain that model? It's, yeah, it's like they're getting all of our work for, I, I don't know how the business model works with us, but it sometimes feels like it's for nothing. I, I'm sure it's not much based on how many people are reading it on exactly. Apple News Plus. Yeah, no, you're right though. Um, if you're not creating content, you're relying on other people, and it's hard to convince someone that you know you're going to take all their stuff. But don't worry, you'll get paid at some point. Yeah, as a journalist, in principle, I don't like the idea or how it's implementation of it. I don't like Apple News, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, maybe it needs to be just a free service like Google News and something like that. Maybe they just Mm -hmm. they just ax the whole entire deal. But they spent a bit of money on that texture thing, which was successful for what it was. People did like it. People did subscribe to it. So there is a way to do it. It's just um, it's not this. And and also, it really needs to be cross platform. I mean, you can't you can't limit a news service to just iPhone. I mean, I I never read that stuff on. I never open it on my Mac, but it, it, it is there. But in, in, when I say cross-platform, I obviously mean Android. I mean they, they need to, you know, Google News you can get on anything, and they, they they need to they need to do that. But whatever, I don't. I think this time next year Apple News will be no better, and eventually it'll just fade into non-existence. <laughs> they have enough on their plate where I don't think that it's a priority. I think they could probably do something to fix. I think they're more likely to fix it to some than some other things. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do agree that they have other things on their plate. Maybe what Apple News needs is a foldable iPhone. <laughs> so st- that was your <laughs> worst transition ever. Right. <laughs> to make the experience more, to enhance the experience, it needs a foldable iPhone. So you can read those PDFs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there was a patent filed for a foldable phone. Recently on the podcast, we were talking about foldable phones and how we were like, Apple will never do it. And just because Apple filed a patent doesn't mean they're going to actually do it. They're seeing what they can do with it. Yeah, right. They, they yeah. experiment with lots of stuff that we, we will never see. Yeah. Yeah. They need, yeah, they'll experiment with it. And if they can execute it right, they'll do it, but they're not going to, they're not going to compromise. And, you know, I think one of the things about the patent was, uh, or one of the, things that they want to do with the foldable phone is make it fully foldable does that make sense so that it closes completely mm-hmm. yeah and uh, not, most yeah. of the phones now have either a little gap or there's a little hinge that needs to go right. a certain way but you know this is new it's what what are there two three yeah it's very you know, new there's, there's not many of them and they all have their flaws and they're all ridiculously expensive and they all are not something I would ever recommend buying right now, but there is potential there. And the, the biggest potential is uh, Samsung has an upcoming rumored phone called the Galaxy Z Flip, which is, the I guess, the successor to the Galaxy Fold. But this one will fold upwards like, you know, like those old-fashioned flip phones like the Razer phone and in, instead of opening like a book. And you know whatever, maybe it's maybe that's what people want. Maybe it's not. It looks yeah, it's 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 way too tall. Uh, Motorola came out with one first, and neither one is going to be a big seller. But um, what's interesting about it is Samsung has patented this ultra thin glass, so it's not that squishy polymer latex weird screen that the Galaxy Fold and and that Huawei phone was. So you know, in a year. 
it's progressed quite a bit, the screen tech. So, you know, I'm sure Apple is working on this. I'm sure they're looking at it and testing all this stuff and trying to figure out whether it's viable. I mean, this is what Apple does. This is why Apple sold $50 billion worth of iPhones in a quarter and Samsung sells that in a year because they don't iterate in public. They, 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 customers trust that when Apple puts a feature or a design element in their phone, it's the best possible version of that phone. And that's, that's it. So it could take five years. It could take forever years. But we won't get a folding iPhone until it is absolutely perfect. And that ain't happening for a little bit of time. And I think the ideal that everybody's looking at is the, the so-called Westworld phone, the phone that they sure. used. In the, yeah. Yeah. And that, that one was smooth and, and yeah, thin. It's also, uh, you know, fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. But I, that's what I'm saying is that I think that's what people, ooh, I want to see something sure. like that. And it was like, uh, it's yeah. going to be a while before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that thing was amazing. It opened up. You didn't see a seam. It, you know, you, you tapped to fold. I mean, it's, it's incredible. We're nowhere near that as a, as, a, as a realistic form of a product. No way. It's funny in the the expanse. If we're also on sci-fi, they you know that's set about three hundred years in the future. But they they have people using what are basically iPads all the time. And it's funny. It doesn't seem any less you know sci-fi. It was like this could happen. You know, as opposed to having like a foldable one or something like that. So I can buy to either vision. Of yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if folding phones go away in five years and we never hear from them ever again. And the Galaxy Fold is a footnote in history. I also wouldn't be surprised if in five years they're a big thing. You know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it develops. And like always, it's not a thing until Apple says it is. <laughs> That's just a fact. It, it's 5G, smartphones, iPad, whatever it is. If Apple doesn't do it, it ain't happening. <laughs> well, if in five years we do get a foldable phone and you're sitting at home and something goes wrong with your foldable phone. I smell phone, a transition. <laughs> you can actually call an Apple repairman, and they'll come to your house now. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to leave, Roman. It's, it, it's not going to get any better than that. This, this podcast is over. <laughs> so Apple uh, announced earlier this week that they have a new repair program. They didn't actually that, announce it. It was just kind of quietly added to their support page. That's true, yeah. But you can now, um, they do house calls. Now, is it, I, I, I forget, is it actual Apple support or is it a third party? It's not. It's, it's a company called uh, GoTech, uh, GoTech Mobile or something. Yeah, okay. GoTech Services. Oh, okay. Services, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, it's weird. When you go to their website, it says, you came here from a source that isn't Apple, so we're telling you nothing about ourselves. Wow. <laughs> like, you have to link to them. Like, so I don't know if it's a corporation, like, a, like an Apple-owned uh, kind of affiliate or if they're just a third party that strictly works through the Apple Store, I don't know. But but I know nothing about them because I couldn't get any information unless I actually booked an appointment and I didn't have the ability to do that. To but clarify, you have to come from Apple support. You have to go through the Apple.com support website to get to mm-hmm. uh, an appointment page or whatever it is. Yeah, it's funny. And it's currently only here in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Houston, and Dallas. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the usual suspects when they yeah. test these things. And I, I assume those are, you know, those are all places that have a pretty big Apple customer bases and also uh-huh. big Apple store presences. Yeah. Yeah. Always surprised Seattle gets left out of there. Yeah. And they actually, 
haven't actually said whether they do repairs on site or if they just pick up your phone and leave and then come back. It probably it probably depends on what they need to do. Yeah, I would think so. But uh, phone phone repair, us uh, phone screen repair is one of the things someone will come to your house to do. So I don't know if they're gonna like do it there. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I, I'd actually like to see them like sit at my kitchen table and replace my iPhone screen. That'd be <laughs> that'd be cool. A Sirion with Verizon does that. I mean, I, you, that's one of the other thing. I have no complaints with that because you know I bought I buy my phones through Verizon, and it was like day of they came over and fixed it. It was pretty nice. Yeah, here in, in that's the other thing. I'm here in San Francisco where you know you can expect that kind of service. Yeah, yeah. but you know it's just one more one more way to add a customer service element to you know the iPhone purchase. It's fine. You know, I don't think I would ever use it. So if you are, uh, you know, happen to be using this service and you're sitting at home waiting for your iPhone to repair, you could fire up your Mac and turn on GeForce Now, <laughs> which you is can, actually. which is a new uh, service that's available, and it's available on the Mac. We're going to call uh, this the transition episode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I only picked the news based upon whether I can make a transition <laughs> or not. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> But uh, it just so happened this this uh, week I could figure that out. But uh, Leif uh, did a huge uh, hands-on, a great hands-on with the GeForce Now service. Uh, could you explain a little bit how GeForce Now works? Okay, so you might know, you might have heard of Google Stadia service, which is the same kind of cloud-based gaming service. The difference with Google Stadia is that it was its own thing, and they expected you to buy their games through their service, and they weren't compatible with anything else. You had to pay something like $100 plus to get started, and then you had to pay $10 a month. Uh, with uh, GeForce Now... Um, you don't have, these are games that you might already own. You could it's either through Steam, the Epic Store, or Battle.net, which is Blizzard's games. And uh, so if you already own those, you just hook those accounts up through GeForce Now. You add them to it, and you can immediately start streaming from. You can do it for free. You have hour sessions on that, which means that you just have to re-log in after an hour, or you can pay a four ninety nine a month uh, for six hour sessions, and uh, that's. You know, and you also get ray tracing, um, their, their technology through that, and uh, you uh, also get priority access to their servers for the, the best uh, performance. And so, like I said, you are these are games that you might already own on Steam. So it was like you already owned The Witcher 3, you bought it a couple of years ago, you can boot it up on GeForce Now. The thing is, you're not working with anything that it, it is entirely internet based. Uh, you do work through an app, unlike, uh, you know, through a browser like Stadia might work or something like that. But, um, yeah, you boot it up in the app, and as long as you have a good internet connection, at least 15 um, megabits per second, uh, you will be able to play these games, and it works beautifully, especially if you're on a wired connection. I did notice that was the big difference. It does do better on a wired connection. But uh, I have a video of uh, me playing Overwatch, which is apparently against the EULA from Blizzard, but uh, because they don't like you streaming from cloud gaming services um mac Velt from germany was told me about that this morning <laughs> and uh, so we'll see where that goes but uh but that's the thing is overwatch has never been on mac and all the, all these games that you've never been able to play you can play directly on a mac and it plays beautifully and you can go all the way back to a 2008 macbook with this stuff because you know it's internet based you have to be running yosemite uh but other than that it, it at least yosemite um but it, 
it, it works. And uh, this just demolishes, that was PC World's uh, headline, um, anything that Stadia is offering. It's just like the death knell for uh, uh, <laughs> for Stadia. Because like I said, this is already your own game, so you're not buying extra. It's only four ninety nine a month, and you technically don't even have to pay that. And uh, this is a way that NVIDIA gets back on the Mac without being directly on it. When and, you uh, say your own game, like games that you already own, what's the benefit of using or what's the point of using this versus however you were playing it before? Uh, well, the thing is you can actually play it on a Mac because Mac oh. doesn't really support that many games. And, oh, so this, uh, is, this is mainly... F- geared or targeted towards Mac users? This is the, We are the people that will get the best use out of it. It's also on Android. It's not on iOS, which is probably related to the Steam Link issues. Uh, because if you remember last year, uh, Apple, and in 2018, Apple pulled Steam Link from the App Store because they realized that people could buy games through, through it. Because basically all it was is a streaming projection of what you were running on your PC on iOS. Well, they redesigned it so that couldn't happen, and now you can use it on iOS. OS. Similar thing, since you are seeing the storefronts through there, Blizzard, I mean Blizzard, <laughs> Apple wants its cut, and uh, so that's not going to happen. But, you know, you, yeah, you, you have all your progress. Like I said, if you've been playing Witcher 3, you're 60 hours into it, boom, you boot it up, you're exactly where you were if you were playing on a PC. And this, this, is, a, this is a good option for people like me. Uh, even though I would, re- I personally would retain my gaming PC. But let's say I want to buy wholeheartedly into the Mac system. I love the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. I love my iMac and stuff like this. I don't want this extra clunky gaming PC in my house. This, so long as I have good net in- internet sh- connection um, to host it, will will allow me to replace it. Now, it doesn't support all games. I have a feeling like they're waiting for some to go traffic, but it does support 30 of the most popular uh, free-to-play games, and that includes Fortnite and stuff like that. It also around 1,000 uh, existing games, and those are generally older ones like The Witcher 3, but you also have more new ones. That was uh, Sekiro Shadow Decide Twice, which was one of a lot of best games of the years last year. But you won't find some new stuff like Control and uh, Star Wars Jedi uh, Fallen Order, but I, I have a feeling those will come later. But this, as I put it, uh, as my headline was, this is as good as Mac gaming is going to get. It's We're seeing developers dropping support where they won't even update things like uh, sim- very simple games like Undertale to support in Catalina. And uh, it, it runs beautifully as long as you're on a wired connection. And it's... Um, yeah, I, I could see myself, if I were to buy wholly into the Mac system, but I wanted to be as much as a gamer as I currently am, I could see myself being pretty happy with this. So that that's when it's, it's a, people, you know, I don't know necessarily that cloud gaming streaming is the future, but this shows that it is a viable option for people who want something different, working with the limitations of something like a Mac system, and without want, having to dual boot and sacrifice part of your, you know, your SSD for a partition so you could put windows on it. Just to clarify, if if say this brand the brand new hot game comes out mm-hmm. and it's available on Steam but it's only for the PC, could I buy it through Steam on my Mac and yes. then and then go into GeForce now? And play it, provided it is it is supported through the service. Now there seems right. to be some cases where you can actually download the game. I don't know how it works. I haven't experimented with that much. That even if it is not supported, it just won't run as well. Because what you're doing with uh, 
the, the the cool thing about GeForce is that all these games are powered by GeForce's, I mean, by NVIDIA's own graphics cards on their own servers. That's how you get things like ray tracing and everything. So it's like you're, you're playing on a high-end PC, but through the internet. It's like the best, and you're even getting 60 frames per second. Um, believe you can get up to a hundred in some cases, and uh, yeah, so that that so yes, you can as long as it, it it is supported by the service. But there's a lot of games that are supported. I don't don't let that scare you off. And the nice thing, like I said, if you want to try it out, it's free. Uh, you know, if you don't buy the founder's pricing, I have a feeling it'll go up. The founder's pricing, it is ninety day trial, and then after that, it's for. Four ninety nine, but I have a feeling because they're calling it the Founders Edition, that price is going to go up. When I was on the Full Nerd podcast yesterday, I was going to say that you know I have a feeling it might be like ten dollars or something like that. Fifteen feels too much, but ten I can see that. Yeah, it's a pretty cool service. Check our website; Life has a deep dive into it, talking about his experiences and how it performs and everything. I know he went over it here, but if you want a little more detail, check out his article. We have a link to it on our website. Apple announced last week that Apple Maps has been revised with new map data that's now available across the United States. So let's talk about the new features and what improvements we want to see in the future. In San Francisco, it was a little different because the the new maps has kind of been out here for a while. They kind of uh, launched it here in San Francisco. So we've been using it for a while. And to be honest, I have a hard time recalling the old experience, so to speak. It's been about a year. Yeah, but yeah, Mike, what kind of things do we, what kind of things do we see in the improved maps? Uh, I don't really use it all that often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, Mike's but, um, very cross-platform, so you jump. Yeah, between, I really am, yeah. or, or at least I haven't used it in the past week. Public transportation I mean, is a lot better. Yeah. yeah, from what I read, it's. I mean, a lot of it is visual. Yeah. And it's not just like a prettifying of it. It's, you know, like these are useful. Like when you look at a map, you can see, you know, trees and, and areas of greenery and rivers and things that weren't there before that are important when you're navigating your your, your the area around you. And, um, yeah, as, as Life said, transportation has been, has been beefed up. It's not, at least from what I can tell, it's not like a groundbreaking, oh, my God, Maps is so right. much better now. But it's a huge step in the right direction yeah. towards getting there and really closing that gap between it and, uh, obviously, Google Maps. I hate to put it this way, but a lot of it is is that Apple is bringing in features that were in Google Maps. Now, that's nice because yeah. you can add favorites. You can add lists. For sure. And, uh, yeah. Google Google Maps has, has been killing it. And, you know, listen, I, I, don't, I don't begrudge Apple for – looking at it and saying yeah we should do that too yeah. sure what are they supposed to do not just like right. leave it you know yeah right well we're not gonna yeah. do that no and a lot of places you have a version of street view which they call look around and yeah. it act, the transitions actually even look better than they do with uh with google's uh it gives you a kind of like a more 3d effect almost and uh so like when you when you move forward in the street it looks more like you're actually moving as opposed to that little strafing animation that you often see in google maps but it's not in a lot of places but uh yeah uh i think an important point to make too is that apple is now using its own data which means that it can't mm -hmm. be immediately uploaded before they were actually working with like third party and people but now it's actually apple's own thing i would i was most impressed with it because last weekend i wanted to go to a wine shop in the sunset district and uh it was uh, Apple gave me much better directions with public transportation than Google did. And that was the first time I was really like, whoa, 
this is this makes a lot more sense. And so, yeah. it's also interesting that they push the update free of a an, an iOS update. Yes. So yeah. this is all server side improvements, which is that's a big step yeah. towards you know continuing to update uh, maps as a standalone application. Very minor, but it works with dark mode. <laughs> yeah well despite the improvements there's still it still has a ways to go mike simon wrote an article on uh with some Id- ideas on where apple maps can continue to improve one of the things i'd like to see that mike mike suggested is uh better integration with siri can you expand on that a little bit mike uh, yeah this is i mean this is straight up lifted from google but so when you're in Google Maps and you and you click or say hey Google or whatever oh something's gonna go off in my in my room, but um when you when you when you summon Google Assistant, it doesn't take over your screen. It doesn't interrupt anything that you're doing. There's a little tiny interface at the bottom of the screen, and it knows you're in Maps. It will respond accordingly. And Siri, on the other hand, you ask it, it doesn't necessarily. It's just Siri. Right. So, you know, to have it be smart enough, because when you're, when you're in maps, when you're using turn-by-turn directions, you're, that's it. That's what you're that's doing. That's your primary, yes, even your secondary. It. That's where yeah. all your attention is at, yeah. And I think that's where Google sets itself apart, where it almost treats it like its own, like, launcher. Well, Android has these things called launchers, where they take over, you know, they, they, you, can, you can change the home screen. But, like, like when you're in maps, like you should be in, like, it's, it's almost like WeChat. Like, this is it. This is where we are right now. And the rest of the phone doesn't matter. So I, that's what I was talking about in my article. Ride sharing, music controls, messaging, Siri, like all that should be accessible without leaving Maps. And that's what Google has almost turned Maps into like its own little social network at this point where you can you don't need to leave to do anything to get restaurant review. I mean, Apple has that too. <clears throat> but it's just, it's a, Google treats it in a, in a smarter way than Apple um, treats maps, in, in, in my opinion. The, the Siri thing, it's sort of like, it's not just to maps, it's, it's kind of an overall problem with Siri. I mean, the biggest thing Apple has to do, first and foremost, and I don't know, again, I can't imagine how they haven't done it yet, is to, when you say, blah, blah, Siri, it should not take over your whole phone. Like, it doesn't need to do that anymore. It does it on the Mac. Imagine, imagine you said on the Mac and, and your whole screen went black. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the problem is that Siri treats or Apple treats Siri as an application right. that right. you're interfacing with be. when really Siri is an interface that right. you want to use for applications. That should be built right. baked into the operating system and the apps and everything else yeah. that you're doing. And so it shouldn't like it shouldn't take over your phone when you're trying to do something because you're interfacing. It's you know, it's 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 as if you were, you know, it's a, 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 as opposed to tapping and dragging and clicking and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a way to interface it and shouldn't over, overtake your whole phone when you're trying Correct. to do something. Yeah. So, I mean, that's mainly what my biggest gripe was. And I also said they, you know, if they really want to be serious about this, they, they need, it needs to be cross-platform. You shouldn't yeah. have to use an Apple product just to use maps. You know, give me an Android version. There's an Android version of Apple Music. Like, like, you know, Apple, I think in, the, in this new decade going forward with services and all this other stuff, Apple really needs to kind of have a, like a come to Jesus moment and say, you know, listen, I know where we have this ecosystem 
and this ecosystem feeds the hardware sales and the hardware sales feel, feed the services and all that stuff is great. But people are becoming more and more device agnostic and they want to sit down on a device and have all their stuff with them. And that should include Android and it should include PCs too. Apple should really look at what it can do to make its services as cross, as cross-platform as they have. I mean, we, we see it, they're doing it with Apple TV so they, I think maps, news, music, all those things need to be seamless everywhere. The thing about having Apple Maps on Android is that the only way Apple can do that, though, is to make sure, is to make Apple Maps on par with Google Maps. Yeah, sure. I, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. No one's going to use it if, it if it's not as good. But sure. you're right. They should be, Apple should be open to the idea of coming out with an Android version. I mean... It's another revenue revenue stream if you want to think of it that also, way. Sure, just just sure. think of it pure money and just think, you know, yeah. it, as small as it might be, it's it's better. It's, you know, it's an untapped revenue stream possibly. And, you know, it's a way to show people that, listen, Apple Maps isn't a punchline everyone thinks it is. Yeah. And I can't imagine I'm the only one doing using both uh, devices. <laughs> I mean, there are other people yeah. out there. One of the things that you made at your point in your article was map downloading. I was hiking in the mountains uh, the other day, and I finally got to a spot where I could get an internet connection. I was like, oh, woo, I'm going to download this map here, because I figured surely Apple Maps would let me do that, because Google lets you do it and, uh, on an iPhone. And I was like, and then it, I, it couldn't. I was just utterly yeah, shocked. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's very bizarre. I don't understand why we have, you know, base of 64 gigs of storage is not an issue anymore. Why can't I download a map for offline use? I mean, it does a good job of caching stuff. So if you're in directions, it won't just kind of say, I don't know where we are. Like, it'll keep you going. But, you know, you really need to be able to download. Like, it's crazy. I don't get it. Apple Maps, new and improved. If you've been trying it out, if you have some thoughts, uh, let us know on Twitter and on our Facebook page. Michael has a few other improvements he'd like to see. Uh, that we didn't talk about here, but uh, you can check that out uh, in his article. We'll have a link to that on our website and in the show notes. So check that out. Now it's time for your hot takes. <laughs> so hot that they made me gag. <laughs> we love hearing from you. If you have a thought or a question or comment uh, about uh, one of the articles on our website or about what's happening in the Apple universe, uh, you can contact us through Twitter. That's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Uh, here are a few comments that caught our eye this week. This tweet came from a Dr. Scapfendry. I think that's how you say it. Uh, it's in, A doctor, eh? <laughs> a doctor's in the a house. doctor, you say? <laughs> um, it's, it was in response to an to a column written by um, Dan Morin about Apple products that need extra attention in the coming year. And one of those products that Dan mentioned was the HomePod. And the doctor says that honestly, just ditch HomePod. Siri was not designed for home assistant use. And since they refuse to actually make Siri good, it's just going to continue to languish. The HomePod's pretty good. It just needs to be cheaper. Yeah. And they need to make a smaller model. They need to make a smaller model. And I mean, he's right in a sense that Siri wasn't designed for this, but it needs to be. Yeah. I don't think abandoning HomePod is the answer. Yeah. 
I mean, they this is this is clearly the future. Smart whatever speakers and these types of things that listen to us all around yeah. the house and do what what we tell them to do. Apple needs to compete in that space. They have and to. Devil's Advocate. I, Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think the w- best way to do it is to integrate it into Apple TV, the hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Apple needs to be in this space, and they need to they need to dedicate more research resources to it. But the, the HomePod works with most of the resources. stuff I do use it with. Um, I mean, the, the, my my problems with the Siri and stuff like that, or, or more things like volume. Did like, did you know that there's no way to manually adjust the volume? So, so like, I, like the other day, I live in a. I, I always say this. Maybe I've said this on this podcast before, but the HomePod really strikes me as people designed by people who live in gigantic Silicon Valley houses. That were. I, I live in an apartment in San Francisco, and you know, which is very high population density, and uh, it. But so the other night, I you know was playing some nature sounds to go to sleep. And I told it to set a sleep timer, and it just screams. And uh, yeah, Siri does, and because it apparently adjusts to what the volume is in the room, but there was no noise in the room. And uh, yeah, it was like I could swear you could hear that two doors down. And uh, yeah, it, it's little things like that that annoy me. I, I was glad the sleep timer is a new feature. I mean, this gives you the stuff that they're uh, that, that that they're doing. But it's little things like that where you can't control that. Where you, whereas I also have a Google Home Mini, and I can control that. And it's just so ridiculous that you can't. Yeah, yeah Amazon, you, you can like whisper. Yes. Like if you whisper to Alexa, she'll whisper. That Alexa, it, it's so it, crispy. It, it will whisper back. <laughs> That's a crispy. <laughs> uh, Simon Newton wrote on Facebook some uh, ideas that he had about iTunes. He writes, I've been with Apple since 1999. I no longer trust them. I buy my films on DVD or Blu-ray and my music on CD or, or vinyl. I wish I'd never used iTunes. Apple has screwed up the music industry. Bad Apple. Wow. What? What is that in response to? Well, it, it was in response to, uh, we, did, we published a how-to uh, in oh, regards to okay. iTunes. And he just, how to screw just up triggered the music him. <laughs> So it wasn't an opinion piece or anything. It was just how to do. I don't remember exactly, but it was just a, a how-to. And he says, don't use iTunes, Apple, you bad Apple. Oh, I, I mean, that's fine. You can buy CDs and vinyl still. It's still there. I'm sorry, Simon. That's a very 20th century take. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, what, I mean, I think placing the blame solely on Apple is a little mis, mis, misinformed. Apple would have died if it had not adjusted. I mean, uh, iTunes yeah. and everything was what pulled, one of the things that pulled it out. And that with the iPod. Yeah. The, I, the iPod. Stuff. The iPod was the yes. thing. Right. I mean that that revived Apple. So they I mean, owe their life really to yeah, iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was thinking the other day how much money if if uh Apple Music or Spotify or whatever was around when I was in high school, how much money I would have saved on music, <laughs> my god. <laughs> like I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> I mean it's like every paycheck I got, I bought CDs. Now you and you know now I can just click a button if I don't like it I delete it like my god it was it's it's staggering how much money I could have saved buying music and it's not like the artists were getting any of that money right. anyway it was Tower Records and whoever else now if you want to say the but, the screwed up the music industry I don't know if Apple did that it is streaming I believe there has been some kind of shift this is very subjective you know but I know a lot of people have been saying that that everything seems so carefully 
you know, aimed at people now. But there's some interesting stuff. Believe it or not, you, you might laugh, but, uh, you know, electronica and stuff like that is the best it's ever been. You're seeing some really creative stuff coming out of that. And so, you know, it might not be the poppy stuff you hear on the, the radio, but I wouldn't say music's in a bad place. It's just like... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's evolved. I don't think, yeah. you know, I mean, rock music has changed dramatically yeah, since... Uh, what, what, when did he say he started? 1999? Yeah. I mean, yeah, music's changed a lot yeah. since 1999. I don't know if it's Apple's credit or discredit. It's just, you know, the, the way these things evolve. I think you could say that Apple saved the music industry in a way because, remember, there was Napster... Yeah. And people yeah. were getting their music for free, for, and the music industry wasn't nothing, making yeah. any money. And iTunes proved that it could be a viable business. Yeah, uh, I mean, Napster wasn't the ease that it is today. Yeah, I mean, it was you know you needed a peer-to-peer serve of app, and you had to da- it took forever to download something. It wasn't uh, you know user-friendly as no, as, it wasn't uh, Spotify and Apple Music is. But yeah, it, it was it was trending where the music industry was saying like what the heck are we going to do yeah and apple came along and said you know what this is what you're going to do because digital music this is what people want let's give it to yeah it figured out a way to monetize it that they were having a struggle with and that was yeah and it's what you know i i think it was for because this was going to happen but it was this this is a case of somebody getting their heads out of the sand like we were talking about the news earlier and figuring out what to do with it and i wish apple could do the same with news but yeah i think matter of fact one of the original press releases for apple news plus said that you know what we did with music with iTunes, we're going to do with news and it didn't quite work oh they say that about everything so yeah, go go buy your CDs and vinyl, sir. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like no one's stopping yet. Yeah. But um, vinyl's on the I, having a resurgence. So yeah, yeah. I, oddly enough, it is. I just don't. I mean, I don't think it's fair to say that Apple really destroyed anything. I don't know. Whatever. What what do I know? Yeah, I believe vinyl sales are actually going up, but I think it's because of the novelty are, of it, yeah. and not because it's uh, yeah. Jeff Bodine on Facebook had some thoughts on Apple TV+. Plus. He says, I want Apple TV Plus to succeed, but it won't. It will suffer the same fate as the Mac and soon the iPhone pigeonholed into a boutique system that only caters to a small percentage of potential users. Are these real people? (laughs) (laughs) Where what? (laughs) So I, I could go on. He goes on no, and please, on. The next part, I think it's important. So, okay, the next part. Whether it's overpricing the product or over-curating its content, Apple simply is too overbearing to allow any of their products to reach supercritical mass. He goes on and on about why Apple TV Plus will not succeed. It's free, technically. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing about that. Yeah, yeah, over- and even if it's not, it's the cheapest service out there. <laughs> that's, that, that's what we got. It's, it's, it's free, yeah. technically, if you have bought a new Apple product. I, I think they're... <laughs> and what, what, what over-curation? They have like five shows. <laughs> and I think that's actually a little bit of a problem. I don't think it'll lead to the downfall, but the, the, but the smallness of the library, I think, is a problem right now. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I have Netflix... Well, I, I don't anymore. I did for a while. And if I looked at a month of what I watch on Netflix, it probably would have been about five or eight five shows. Or eight shows yeah. That's just the way it goes. So Apple is choosing quality over quantity. Yes, would it be nice if they had a library of movies? Yes, and I think they will at some point. They'll figure right, out right. which one to get and how to get them. They're looking at it with But MGM. right now, 
they're establishing establishing themselves as a quality driven content provider kind of like hbo hbo shows one show at a time maybe two depending on if it's an hour or a half hour and the rest is all you know movies that you may or may not watch but you you subscribe people subscribe to hbo for you know what like It'll be six weeks or ten weeks or however long they last, but I'm watching Game of Thrones now. I'm watching Curb Your Enthusiasm now. I'm watching The Outsider, whatever it is. And it's not, they don't carpet bomb you like Netflix does. And HBO has survived through all of this. They haven't lost their step. They're still one of the most relevant services channels around. And I mean, that's that's Apple's model. They're not doing the Netflix thing. And you know what? You want to talk about price? Netflix? I dropped Netflix because it was too damn expensive. How much is Netflix now? It automatically charge. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I, if, if you want 4K, it's like 18 bucks a month. I have a T-Mobile, so I, I, it's part of my T-Mobile plan. I think that's how uh, it works. Hey, Jeff, you should read my editorial from last week about uh, don't be fooled by Apple TV plus a slow start. Jeff's not listening. Yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, because I address most of those issues in there. Because, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's actually on the right track, I think. But it, it and I'll tell you what, I I started and finished three Apple TV shows since it launched. Morning Show, mm-hmm. that uh, Truth Be Told, and um, the oh, Sevens. you finished Truth Be Told. I actually have to commend you yeah. on that one. Yeah. I, 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 I it was I I didn't I didn't love it, but I <laughs> but was intrigued committed. enough to finish it. The the ending was a little was a little sloppy. It was it was it was it, it wasn't my favorite. But I, but I, I stuck with it, and I can tell you the production value is top notch. The stories are very good, and you know, Morning Show is legit one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's like Apple is, I think, doing the right thing. And they, listen, they have so much money; they could this thing can language for three years. They don't. Well, that's the other. It's thing. It's not costing them anything. They just made. Jeff doesn't. They just yeah. made a billion dollars a day. People. Right. That's the other thing a Jeff day. doesn't realize is that <laughs> Apple doesn't just cut the cord after if it's not working after six months they're they're in it for the long haul but who said it's not working what are you judging him by like everyone's saying that it's a failure based on what the the the, the golden globe nominations and at least it got the, nominations heck yeah and, and it won uh, a sag award i believe it was sag or a spirit award one of those ones it won something and i i don't know what their subscriber base is but they have a built-in you know, 50 million, 70 million, however many people bought a, uh, an iPhone over the, over the, over the holiday break. Like, I don't, I don't know what people are reading or looking at to say that it's a failure. No idea. And that's one of the things I said is that, yeah, you, you can look, Apple is good at adjusting to this type of stuff. It, it, it's not doing it so well with Apple news, but anyway, but a lot of other stuff, it's really good at adjusting to it. And I said at the end, the last sentence, I believe was, uh, you know, I'm really interested in, I'd like to see what it's going to, we'll see some improvements next year, but I'm especially interested in seeing what it's going to be like in 2021. Because if you have to remember, Amazon had a, Amazon Prime, it's, user its own content had a quote slow start too it took a couple of years for people to notice things like the man in the high tower and stuff and uh, high castle excuse me and uh you know and now that they picked up the expanse that's one of my favorite shows uh, that's on there and it, you know it, it's going to take a while but the, the, these other you know services had you know they didn't take off they weren't amazing just 
what is it, three months out of the gate? Yeah, so that's the other thing. Keep I, that in mind. It's only been like four let, let's, let's, Disney has one damn show. One. And now that that show is over, one. I don't really care and about it. And it hasn't been on in a month and a half. I know people talk about their library, but I don't have kids, so, you know, I don't I, really I watch. I mean, we, we watch some stuff, but, but for the most part, they have one show. One. We'll see what, you know, I'm sure the Marvel stuff will be good and there'll be some Star Wars stuff, and but... I just don't. I don't know where it's coming from that people are saying that this is a flop. I would pay five bucks a month for Apple TV Plus. Sure. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the MacWorld Podcast, episode six hundred and eighty-four. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you. Thanks to Life Johnson. Thank you. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes through SoundCloud or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you all next time. Hey, Roman, Roman. Hey. Roman, hey. How you doing, Adam? iPhone, iPhone, <laughs> iPhone. iPhone this, iPhone that. Uh, Mac, Mac World. <laughs> uh, is everything looking good? It looks good I mean, so oh, far. 